This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes store, Google Play, or on the Podbean app. And while you're there, I'd love a review. Hi friends, welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm your host, Jackie Pack. Today's episode is a continuation in our series on the 12 principles. And today we are focusing on courage, the principle of courage. Dr. Carnes in his 12 principles book says the word courage comes from the Latin word core, which means heart. And courage is the heart of recovery. He says we need courage to say yes, to say no, I don't know, to try, to fail, to bounce back and try again, to tell the truth, to challenge the status quo, to look foolish, to be wrong, to say, I'm sorry, to offer amends, to face pain and fear, to risk, to be vulnerable, to live in the unknown, to change, to continue on in the face of resistance. It is also not a quality, but a state of mind or heart. Now, anytime we start a journey of change or self-examination or growth, it will require courage. Dr. Karn says it took a great deal of courage just to begin recovery. We could have stayed in our addiction or our own reality until it destroyed us, but we didn't. Instead, we made the courageous decision to face the wreckage we had created and re-engineer our life. He continues, We continue to make courageous decisions day by day as we face our fear and pain. Courage also helps us stay with recovery when we feel like we're not flying at all, but slogging through the mud. When we're frustrated with how difficult the process is, or how long it takes, or how many obstacles are in our way. We're weary of contending with our shame and sadness and sorrow. In these moments, courage reminds us that a life of sanity and serenity is priceless. That we deserve to live such a life and that with the help of trustworthy people and our higher power, we can create that life. When we were enmeshed in our addiction, we made a mess of our life and almost certainly others' lives as well. Paradoxically, In recovery, we summon the courage to make a mess of things again, but in a positive way. We stop following the rules of our dysfunctional family. We refuse to keep other secrets or our own. We end or limit relationships with people who enabled our addiction. We take apart our life, examine every piece of it, and rebuild it from the ground up. Every time we act courageously, we grow and we heal. A couple of weeks ago, a client that I have been working with for several years had a challenging situation come up in his recovery. He's been doing pretty good in recovery, actually really good, not just pretty good. He's been doing really good in recovery. So his sister had asked him to host a party for her daughter, his niece, for graduation. Now, there were a couple of challenges with him hosting this party, which he agreed to do. And his sister had, you know, said to him, if this is a problem in any way, I don't want you jeopardizing your recovery. So we had to talk about this multiple times in our sessions as this event was approaching. 
Now, first of all, there was going to be alcohol served at the party, which wasn't the first time in his recovery that he would have been sober and been around alcohol and people drinking alcohol. But still, anytime that that situation occurs, we have to be mindful and intentional. And then secondly, she was inviting family members who had been part of the origin story of his addiction, who had enabled his addiction, and whom he had had some pretty strict boundaries with for a couple of years. And so this would be the first time he would be interacting with them. As I said, we talked about it multiple times in our session. And in the men's group, right before this event was to this party was to take place, he had asked the men in the group for some assistance just for them to realize this was coming up for him to be aware that if he needed to step out and check in, that they would know what that was about. Now, on the day of the party, he was doing his daily morning routine, which includes some readings. And he has been reading from the Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo. And so this was on May 22nd, and he turned to that page to read for that day and sent out screenshots of what he was reading and said to the group, isn't this amazing that on the day that I'm preparing for, this is what comes across my path. So it says, May 22nd, feeling beyond the hurt. The quote is, withstanding the tension between opposites until we know it is enough, releases us from the swing between one extreme and the other. That's by Helen Luke. And Mark wrote, sometimes when I think of my parents who have hurt me, I am lulled by a wintering sky to fill for them, to try on their view. But in my apathy, an old pattern kicks in, and I start to lose the truth of my hurt, as if there's only room for one set of feelings, theirs. The struggle is a common one. So often we feel for others and lose ourselves, or cut others off to preserve ourselves. Like a radio that can only tune to one station at a time, it seems like only one side of things can be received, though all sides are broadcast. But compassion is a deeper thing that waits beyond the tension of choosing sides. Compassion, in practice, does not require us to give up the truth of what we feel or the truth of our reality. Nor does it allow us to minimize the humanity of those who hurt us. Rather, we are asked to know ourselves enough that we can stay open to the truth of others, even when their truth or their inability to live up to their truth has hurt us. This does not remove the emotional facts of our lives, nor does it ask us to remain in a hurtful situation. Rather, compassion asks that we open like mountains to the sky, like mountains that can withstand every kind of weather. After this party and his success in maintaining sobriety and being able to handle his emotions and the way that he behaved in ways that he felt were respectful to himself and his recovery program, we talked about this and we talked about the courage that it took to open up and to speak some of the vulnerabilities that he was feeling about hosting this party instead of just pretending that he had this, that he didn't need help and that he alone could get through this. He mentioned that every single one of the group members had reached out to him during this time period and expressed support and encouragement for him, which again, he would not receive if he didn't have the courage to open up 
and to express vulnerability. There is no courage without risk. When we act courageously, we put ourselves on the line for a greater good and make ourselves vulnerable to loss. Carnes writes, instead of arguing with our partner or stalking off, we stay present and loving in the midst of our conflict. Instead of worrying about what people will think, we challenge our coworker when he or she tells a racist or sexist joke. Instead of letting someone force us into quickly making an important decision, we insist on taking the time we need. Instead of looking the other way when we see our neighbor hitting their child, we call the police. Instead of following the family rule to never contradict Uncle Nathan, we calmly tell him that we disagree with him and why. He continues, we addicts are not strangers to risk. When we practiced our addictions, we did many enormously risky things. Most of us put other people at risk as well. This wasn't because we were brave. We simply ignored or denied the risks. In recovery, our approach to risk changes completely. We learn to consider our risks instead of following our impulses. We consult our inner observer, then consciously choose which risks to take. One day at a time, we become both more courageous and more discerning. Courage is where our values meet the world. It means doing the next right thing, even when it's difficult or painful. This always requires mindfulness. When we act out of courage, we know what we're getting into. We have weighed the risks and the benefits, held them against our goals and values, and then made a decision to act. Courage also always has a purpose. We act courageously for something, a goal, a mission, support a cause or ally, or move toward a vision. Many of us, whether through pop culture, the media, or simply living in a world where people have to be brave and face obstacles, find ourselves aware of and familiar with grand acts of courage. These include Harriet Tubman, leading slaves to freedom on the Underground Railroad, Rosa Parks, refusing to give up her seat on the bus, Martin Luther King Jr. standing up for equal rights, Joan of Arc facing harsh criticism and burning at the stake for her beliefs, the pilgrims coming to the United States without any idea of what they were about to face. And not that they did it perfectly, but what they did took some courage. And Frank, and her family living in secret and quiet to hide from the Nazis. The police, firefighters, and citizens who rushed into buildings to save lives on September 11th. The people aboard Flight 93 who prevented the terrorists from attacking the United States Capitol. Charles Lindbergh making the first nonstop flight from New York to Paris. Mother Teresa living amongst the poorest of the poor and helping them thrive, learn, and grow. Sir Edmund Hillary climbing up Mount Everest. The American revolutionaries fighting for their freedom against Britain. Those who fought in the Civil War to end slavery. Those who have fought and who fight today for civil rights and equal rights. And women and men who put their lives and reputations on the line fighting for voting rights for women, 
people working for peace with global movements such as the Red Cross, UNICEF, and the Peace Corps, and then military personnel and their families defending the freedom of the United States and other countries. These acts and similar acts demand great deals of courage. And many of these people put themselves in harm's way in order to do what is right. But not all acts of courage need to be known worldwide or to be defined as brave. When we talk about everyday courage, I think everyday courage is about the grit and determination necessary to make tough calls that keep the best interests of ourselves and others ahead of other concerns. It's about facing daily challenges with a willful spirit that supports the ideas of equity, excellence, and inclusion for all, even when it's not easy or convenient, and especially when it's challenging our own biases. Making decisions aligned with these ideals can cause fear or anxiety because they do challenge the status quo. Maybe they irritate a privileged group or lead us into uncharted waters. This is everyday courage. And it's the kind of courage that has always existed, and yet we still have a need for it. When we talk about the types of everyday courage, they fall into one of four categories. The first category is moral courage. Moral courage is the courage to stand up for one's beliefs in the face of overwhelming opposition. It's a synonym for civil courage. Moral courage is the outward expression of the leader's or person's personal values and core beliefs, and the resulting actions are focused on a greater good. According to research, what distinguishes moral courage is brave behavior accompanied by anger or indignation, which intends to enforce society or ethical norms without consideration for one's own negative consequences. It can best be exemplified by the actions of people such as Mahatma Gandhi or Rosa Parks. The second type of everyday courage is intellectual courage. Intellectual courage is the courage to challenge old assumptions and understandings and act on new understandings and insights gleaned from experience and research. Researchers Paul and Elder articulated in the Psychology of Courage, a Modern Research on an Ancient Virtue in 2010, describe intellectual courage as being conscious of the need to face and fairly address ideas, beliefs, or viewpoints toward which we once opposed or have not given serious consideration. The third type of everyday courage is disciplined courage. Disciplined courage is the courage to be reflective, strategic, and focused in the face of constant distractions and opposition. People with this brand of courage have great clarity on their vision and the impact they want to have on those in their community or circles. They're focused on doing the right things in a thoughtful and purposeful way. Mike Staver, author of Leadership Isn't for Cowards, explains it this way. He says, courage is about clarity and mindfulness. Clarity about what you believe and mindfulness in the execution of those beliefs. Disciplined courage enables people to steadfastly address important issues and maintain a focus on the goal or desired outcome. 
It requires endurance and flexibility, especially when implementing complex change. When setbacks and disappointments occur, disciplined courage helps us stay the course, connect with our resolve and persevere through the challenges and keep moving. It also allows for us to keep our emotions in check and to learn from the opposition and compromise along the way to achieve the intended outcome with the integrity of the goal intact. And the fourth type of everyday courage is empathetic courage or the courage to open and feel deeply for others. It takes humility and courage to put aside our own biases and assumptions and let go of control and certainty for the sake of learning something new. But it's only when we're willing to listen to a different perspective and we can empathize that we can be enriched by a new way of thinking. Daniel Goleman, psychologist and two-time Pulitzer Prize nominee for his work on emotional intelligence, tells us that there's three kinds of empathy that leaders need to know and use. These three types of empathy include cognitive empathy, emotional empathy, and empathetic concern. Cognitive empathy is the ability to see the world through another person's eyes. It helps us connect with another person's mind, giving us a mental sense for how they think and see things. This is a critical skill that enables strong relationships and effective communication to motivate, inform, and support the people we interact with. Emotional empathy allows us to tune into the feelings of another person and read their facial, vocal, and a stream of other nonverbal signs which illustrate how they feel. According to Dan Siegel, a UCLA psychiatrist, connecting with people on this level creates a we chemistry in the brain that builds rapport and understanding that results in productive and meaningful work for both people. And then the third type of empathy is empathetic concern or expressing care and concern about another person. People accomplish this kind of connection when they show people that they'll be supported and that they can trust the person. This encourages people to take risks, try new approaches, and open up to others for collaboration and team learning. Goleman stresses it is essential for leaders and teachers, which I think goes along with sponsors, therapists, parents, partners, to have all three kinds of empathy. Now, as I said, not all acts of courage need to be known worldwide in order to be defined as brave. Here's a list of things that I came up with that are things that I see in clients who are courageous in daily life. Okay, not all clients. Sometimes my kids, sometimes my friends, family members, and clients. I should, I should clarify that. Trying a food that you've never tried before. Saying no. Saying yes. Engaging in a new experience asking someone out on a date, doing something that might be a little risky, such as skydiving or riding a bike for the first time, standing up for someone who's being picked on, asking for a promotion or a raise at work, helping out a person or animal in need, even if it puts you in a little bit of danger or risk, 
standing up for yourself, leaving an abusive relationship, taking a stand against an unfair social or economic practice, doing something by yourself for the first time, standing up against racism or prejudice, leaving a job that you don't like and finding a new one, signing up for a program or a class that intimidates you, living a life that's true to yourself, even if it means disappointing others, defining and setting your own boundaries, taking ownership of your life and recognizing that you have the power to change your own story, being more than just a consumer of what this world has to offer, but also a contributor and an enricher, being vulnerable, seeking out connections and meaningful relationships with others, not just based on common interests, but shared values. Forgiving and asking for forgiveness, walking away from people who no longer serve a place in your life, accepting constructive criticism or feedback with grace, and looking inward and confronting our own imperfections. Recognizing when you're operating from ego, not letting your past define you, having difficult conversations, facing pain, reevaluating situations, people, and experiences when your heart is telling you there's misalignment, challenging your own beliefs and being ready to learn, unlearn, and relearn, practicing patience with yourself and others, giving yourself permission to make mistakes, approaching life with curiosity instead of judgment, dream big, to face the uncertainty of life head on and to rely on your inner compass to ground you and guide you. Maybe you've thought of some of your own that you're learning about yourself or that you already have learned about yourself. If there's anything that I've learned about courage in my years as a person and in my years as a therapist, it's that every single one of us is courageous. Sometimes in those big change the world moments and other times in the quieter everyday moments of life. We all have a story inside of us about the courage that we have shown in the face of fear, adversity, health issues, relationship, family, career worries, and other life struggles. One of the things, not one, multiple here, that I think it's good to reflect on, that I've been reflecting on as I've worked on this episode, is to think about what has courage looked like in my life? When is a time when my courage failed me? And if I could go back to that time, would I do anything differently? What's the most courageous thing I've ever done or you've ever done? What are some examples of everyday courage in your life? Those smaller, equally important ways that you've shown up in your life and for others. Who is someone that you think is courageous? There's this quote from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling that says, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. I think most of us have had to have that type of courage too when we face those types of situations. What are the fears that get in the way of you moving forward with courage? And how can you overcome those fears?
How can you face those fears? The end of this episode, I want to remind you that your story matters. Remember there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. Until next time, Jackie. The Legal Stuff. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. The Prayer of the Perfectionist. Nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Help me to remember the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone. I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.